If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Because we're going to look at Ephesians this morning. The reason why is, is I, uh, um, I often like to kind of break away from what we are teaching during, during holidays, in, including Mother's Day. I've never done it for Father's Day. Uh, thank you, Senor. And I was just told it's about time. Uh, but I've never done it for Father's Day. Um, I just normally blow Father's Day off. And, you know, sorry, guys. It's the way it is. However... I thought maybe this year we'll talk a little bit about fathers. So I want to look at Ephesians chapter 1. And, uh, but we, we, we took a lot of time during worship, so I'm going to have to kind of shorten up my message. And I know that that's really going to disappoint some of you. Um, right. Um, but I want to take a look at this particular passage, really just... I want to just land on verse 3 and 4 of uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 1 where it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love so father we ask lord that you would speak to our hearts and minister to us this morning as we remember and celebrate father's day but also recognizing lord that you are a good good father and you being our heavenly father are good to us that you bless us and lord we desire in our lives to be able to bless you as well so instruct us, we, we pray in this passage, and we ask these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. It seemed like it was just, it was a while ago that we were in the book of Ephesians, wasn't it? Wasn't it last summer? Of course, last summer we were finishing up chapter 6, and, and it took us probably over a year to get to that point. So, but I'm thinking, we, we've looked at this recently, and and. Well, not really recent, I guess. But time's flying, does, isn't it? I can't believe we've been here 18 years. Um, some of you probably can't either, but, um, but for different reasons. But, you know, as, as I thought about this, and n not always the case, but normally the case when I, when I teach a passage, again, that I taught recently, I usually try to start from scratch rather than going back to my notes and looking at, at what I taught on last time. And, and, and so I, I did that as well. And, and uh, the more I looked at this, these particular verses, ver verse 3 and 4, uh, the more I got different things out of it. As a matter of fact, the only reason why I know this is I never opened up my other notes. I just could tell by the titles that I, I addressed a, a different area. But this idea of blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this idea of blessing God. And, and do, do, we ever, do we ever think in those terms? I, and I'm sure that some of you do. Uh, maybe not as much as perhaps uh, we should. But if you noticed here in this particular passage, there is a mutual blessing going on. Paul is blessing um, The Lord, 
Do me a favor, if you would, please, and just bump the degree up just one. Just one. Will that help? Uh, it's hot in here, actually, but that's okay. Is everybody else comfortable? And tell somebody we're going to warm it up just slightly. You're good. Okay. Um, I was going to steal a blanket and go get <laughs> give it to you. But anyway. <laughs> okay. So um, there is this mutual blessing going on where Paul is blessing the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And and he, he's it, it's important to understand here that he's making this distinction. Yes, I'm I'm a hardcore believer in the Trinity. Uh, that that. Uh, there is God the Father, there is God the Son, there is God the Holy Spirit. And, and they're, they're really co-equal, yet they have different roles on how they deal with humanity. And often it is, is when, when, when you see the Father referred to here as, as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, it does not mean that, that, that Jesus was, uh, was born of the Father. All right? Uh, one of the uh, early creeds said that he was begotten, which refers to being with us at the ver or being in existence at the very beginning. I don't want to go down this rabbit trail this morning. I don't know why I already did, but but nonetheless, um, you have a little this this mentioning of a subservience, uh, and it really refers to the fact that Jesus has two natures. He has his human nature, and he also has his divine nature. And often, when referring to God the Father as his Father, which he also does in the Gospels, it really is in the context of, of, um, of his humanity. Because although Mary was his mother, his human mother, who was his human father? He didn't have one. He had God the Holy Spirit that overshadowed Mary. And in, implanted in her womb. Um, and and um, so, again, the Trinity being equal, I hopefully I haven't lost anybody yet. The Trinity being equal, it, it's also a reference to God being his father. So what is going on here is Paul is blessing the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said to us in the Gospel of John, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. Okay. So if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And, and he also declared, I and my Father are one. And, of course, what did that do for him? It made all the Jews mad because it was his claim to deity. So what did they do? They tried to stone him. They tried to kill him because of that. And, and so he is the way to our Father. And so what, what Paul is doing here is he is blessing the Father because the Father has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Um, this idea of blessing God and God blessing us is prevalent throughout the whole Bible. All right? It's important to, to recognize this. Um, and and when in, in the Hebrew, Old Testament, it's the word barak with a U, not with an A, but it's the word Baruch. Uh, I'm not pronouncing it uh, carefully, uh, probably carefully enough, but I don't do really good with Hebrew words, but I'll, I'll do the best I could with that. But uh, when it's applied to God, and this is where I want to settle in here this morning, when it is applied to God, when the word blessing is applied to God, it's always in the form of praise in the Old Testament. But when the same word is applied to humans, 
because at times it is, it talks about that person who is blessed being in a state of happiness. Praise to God, happiness for mankind. Which, of course, leads you into the thinking, well, at times when I'm not happy, that must not mean that I'm blessed. And that, that isn't necessarily the case, and we'll get to this, because, again, what does the text tell us here in the New Testament? He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So, primarily in the Old Testament, primarily but not always, primarily in the Old Testament, blessing upon humanity was in the form of material things. Primarily in the New Testament, when it talks about blessing humanity, is talking about blessing humanity spiritually. Now, are we blessed materially? I think most of us, if not all of us here, are blessed materially. We could be in some third world country in some grass hut somewhere right now, worshiping God, as some of our brothers and sisters do. We have been blessed, I think, materially. And yet, the primary focus in the New Testament upon the blessing of humanity is a spiritual blessing. And a spiritual blessing is something that, that develops you into Christ-like character. It is something that changes you from the inside out. It's something that makes you more like Jesus and something that, that the, the, the spiritual blessings that are, that are given to you are given to you with the intention to create in you or to form in you not only this idea of being more Christ-like, but within the context of being Christ-like, developing in you more virtue and making you into a, a, a more... Uh, uh, hate to say more whole, a more holistic, that's not even working really well, but a more holistic person. And, and someone who, because you have taken on uh, uh, the, the divine nature, First Peter tells us that, and, and how that is being incorporated in your life where you become more like Jesus Christ and, and you become less like yourself. I'll make it even more fun. You become more like Jesus and you become less like everybody else. But you know how you really know that you become more like Jesus and less like everybody else? When the everybody else no longer gets under your skin like often that everybody else can get under your skin. Boy, I read about it. I must be out of my mind. I read about it all the time on Facebook. Of people moaning and groaning and complaining about this and that and that and this and that. You know, that run for office, for goodness sake, you know? I don't know. But, but I really believe that when those things no longer get on our, under our skin, that we've passed a milestone spiritually. Why? Why do I feel that way? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God doesn't get mad and angry over the sin and the condition of the world. He is brokenhearted and he sent his son as a remedy. And when we get angry over the sin and condition of the world, 
Do you know who we are being like? Do you understand who we are being like? We're being like the Pharisees. And we want to think in our mind that we're all of a sudden, we're the gatekeepers of heaven. We're not. God whom we bless, and I'll get into it in a minute, but God whom we bless desires to bless you and I with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In other words, we realize them currently, but we will realize them in their fullness later on. We realize them currently, but we will realize them in their fullness later on. That's why they are in the heavenlies. Could you imagine what heaven would be like in the condition that we are currently in? There's another word for it. It's called hell, okay? I mean, that's why I'm trying to, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, as I've told you guys time and time again, I, my, my mission in life is to get out of the pastor section of heaven, right? But hopefully that won't be as I imagine it. Better not be anyway. Um, but blessing is praise and worship to God, and blessing is, is a sense of happiness and satisfaction to us. Now, that's the Old Testament thinking, all right? Matter of fact, we do see this in the book of Matthew chapter 5, where it said the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the meek, for they will what? Inherit the earth. And it's, it's a, a translation from the Greek word makarios, which, which talks about a state of happiness. It, it, if you really want to understand how it is that we are to live in a state of happiness in this world, read the Sermon on the Mount. Because that's what that word means in, uh, in the Greek, that word blessed. It means a state of happiness. Which is really funny because the Sermon on the Mount is contrary to how most people live. It's very contrary to how the world lives. But Jesus has said, and it, it really you could, a loose translation is he, he is saying, oh, how happy are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. For such is the kingdom of heaven. And, and he's projecting them also out to a realization of being blessed in this life, but experience the fullness of that blessing in the life to come. Now, there is another word that is translated blessed. And it is, the tra is translated, it is from the, it's the Greek word, eulog I'm going to mess this one up, but you probably won't know the difference. But eulogitus, eulogitus. That is the Greek word that is here in chapter 1 of Ephesians, verses 3 and 4. Eulogitus. And it, it's an interesting word because it comes from the word lego, which means to speak, and it also comes from the word you. Now, it's not, you is spelled E-U in the Greek, not E-W-E. But if you want to spell it E-W-E, that's fine with me, okay? You, like a you lamb. Anyway, some of you got that. Um, it means to speak well of. It means to speak well of. 
The word you means good. Excuse me, I got ahead of myself. So you have the word lego, which means to speak, the word you, which means good. So the word eulogius or eulogitus means to speak well of. So we, re we read blessing here where it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It, it says, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is spoken well of. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is spoken well of. In a sense that you could translate this, let the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be well spoken of, be eulogized. That's where we get our, 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 our word uh, eulogy, which is what, when do you normally hear a eulogy at a funeral where you get up and you talk about what a great person someone was? Um, and you hear someone in the back coughing. But anyway, um, I won't go there. <laughs> you got that one, didn't you? It's an interesting word because it's an expression of how we are to bless God. We are to speak well of him. Now, I thought about that. We come in and we sing songs, and they're, hopefully they are songs that speak well of God. But, but in, our, in, our, in our day, in our daily process, how often do we speak well of God? And, and when we are really speaking well of God, what are we actually doing? What are we actually doing when we speak well of God? We're worshiping him. That's what we're doing. We're worshiping him. And, and so it, it, it's interesting that, that how this, this works out is that, that how we bless God is that we speak well of him and we, we worship him. And, and that the entirety of our life is, is an act of worship. Not just when we come in here, but, but, but when we are going about our daily process, do we speak well of God? Do we live, or, or as, uh, uh, as the, the book written by Brother Lawrence uh, said, do we practice the presence of God in our entire lives and our entire being? Now, there are times that go on in my day that I'm, I'm hoping that maybe God is not quite so close as others, okay? <laughs> Some of you are really laughing. Yeah, I'm human. <laughs> Probably too human, but anyway. Uh, but it's this recognition of his presence. And in recognizing his presence, recognizing his blessing to us in all things. Have you been blessed today? Have you been blessed today? Well, for one thing, you're here. You're breathing. All right. God chose to give you life, at least for another day. He chose to draw you into his presence, hopefully, as you've been here. He gave you the opportunity to partake of the body, to drink of the blood, to commune with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And do we live in a state of blessing God? See, that's an interesting question because to me it's also very elusive. It's also very elusive. Because I've known people, especially years ago, that they would, they would try to live like this. And, and, can I be blunt? It came across weird. All right? It came across weird. All right? This, there was a guy in, when we were in college. He's always singing praise songs whenever he saw somebody. He would kind of toddle back and forth as he sang. And everybody called him Brother Paul, you know. And, uh, but... Um, and that was sweet, and that was wonderful, and that was great, and all of that. But if you really got to know the guy, that he was a very different person than the sweet little guy singing little Jesus songs as he walked down the street of the, or the sidewalks of the campus. A and so how do, how do we, I, I think that's a challenge for us that I'm not really going to answer, but I'm, I'm going to throw out the question, how do we live a life of blessing God based on who we are? See, because it's not my personality to go walking down the sidewalk singing praise songs all day. That's just not who I am, all right? Sorry, you already knew that about me, right? And that's not who most of you are. But if I recognize that this is the way that God has made me, now how do I glorify him and how do I bless him with my life? And how do I make that work? But notice here, it, 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 this idea of blessing God isn't going out and running around and doing a bunch of stuff for him. It's not the context here, at least in first, uh, first uh, chapter of Ephesians. It's about speaking well of him. Now, I, I'm, I'm thinking of an author, and actually several authors, I think they've all ripped this off from some, an unknown source, but they will tell you, let your life speak. Let your life speak. Does your life speak? It sure does. It preaches better sermons than I'm able to give. And how you live and what you prioritize and what you value and the virtues or the vices that start working their way out of your life and for others to see because you can't suppress that stuff forever. Especially the vices. If they're in there, they're in there and they will find their way out. But do we let our lives speak? In verse 4, I'm sorry, in verse 3 still, where he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, that phrase, has blessed, is one of my favorite tenses in the Greek, the aorist tense, right? It is a snapshot situation it is almost talking about a one-time event and it is often translated past tense in the english so in other words paul is saying we are blessing god who has past tense blessed us with every spiritual blessing when did he bless you with every spiritual blessing past tense I think what this is referring to is that time that you gave your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 
that it was then that he blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It was then that you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was then that you had the Holy Spirit come and dwell in you. It was then that you were translated from un, an unrighteous person to a righteous person. It was then that you went from darkness to light. Now, I believe all that happened in an instant. Follow me here. You know, if, if, not, if you're asleep, wake up, okay? It's probably <laughs> I believe that all happened in an instant, but to unpack all of those takes a lifetime. It is like when you get a present for Christmas. And, and you know how some people just tear the living daylights out of the package and they have it open, you know? But then you have some people that they're very methodical and they, they, it's as if they want to save the paper. Uh, that's why I believe in newspaper for wrapping paper, but that's just me. But anyway, it, it, anyway, um, and but they're very methodical and they want to untie the bow. And it, it seems like it takes them 20 minutes to unwrap a present, right? You've been around those kind? Yeah, I've been around a few of those people like that. But they are a, 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 that is a picture of how we are to unwrap the spiritual blessings. Because I think at, particularly when we are new in Christ, we do not have the level of maturity to really apprehend and understand them. I know that there are still things in my life that I do not have the spiritual maturity for to, pre to really apprehend and understand, but I've only been a Christian for about 55 years. But anyway, uh, in other words, it's still, it's still a growing process. Yes, he has blessed us, past tense, eros, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. However, it takes forever to unpackage those blessings. Now, it tells us in verse 4 that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless. I just want to touch on that holy and blameless part and leave the rest. I'm sorry because uh, we're running out of time. He chose us in him to be holy and blameless. He chose you to be holy and blameless. What does that say to you? It says to me that if you, Lord, chose me in you for me to be holy and blameless before you in love, it means that you've got a lot of work to do. If we're going to be truthful. And second of all, more importantly, you, Lord, are going to have to be the one to do the work. Because my nature is not holy or blameless. And guess what? Neither is yours. Neither is yours. And so, because he chose you it, to be holy and blameless before him, uh, before, uh, before the foundation of the world. He also tells us in the first chapter of the book of Philippians, we won't take the time to turn there, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Okay? So he will be faithful to complete that work in you. Because there are times I don't even want him to do the work. All right? Some of you are looking at me like I just grew a second head, but I think if we're really honest, we go through those times. It's like, are we still doing this? 
I thought we were done with this. Can't you do this to somebody else for a while? I know of a lot of people you can do this to, right? As we live in that refiner's fire that is refining our hearts and our souls to become more like Jesus. Because I, as, as, as the, the more I thought about this, I realize that if we are truly blessing God who chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love, if we are truly those people, then we have to fast forward a little bit in this particular book and look at Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 10. I just turned the page. Ephesians 2, verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So there's God preparing beforehand in Ephesians 2, also what he did in choosing us before the foundation of the world. So God has been setting the stage for us all along. He really has. And so what's interesting about this word workmanship, and I think it's the NIV, it says handiwork. All right. Some of you are very crafty, right? My wife is very crafty. Uh, she has a whole room in our house dedicated and set aside for the purpose of her craftiness, right? Or handicrafting. Anyway, uh, you get the idea. She, she makes cards and does painting. And uh, some of you are good woodworkers. Um, some of you are still trying to find your niche, but God bless you anyway. All right. Uh, I'm... I mean, my handiwork is maybe playing guitar. I don't know. I, I should work on it more. But do you enjoy, some of you who do these kind of things, do you enjoy it? Of course you do, or you wouldn't be doing it. Your handiwork, your workmanship. You do it, and you sit back and say, wow, that looks great. What's interesting about this word, also workmanship, it's the Greek word poema. P-O-E-I-M-A, if you're going to write it. It's from where we get the word what? Poem. Ever wrote poetry? So I'm getting older, I read more of it. I love it, to be honest with you. I've written some, and it's not for publication. <laughs> It's, we need. We got I need to do some more handiwork on this, huh? But you and I are God's poems. You and I are God's handiwork. You and I are God's workmanship. And the work that He does in conforming you into the image of Christ blesses Him. Basically. 
Ephesians 2 verse 10 just answered the question that I had to ask myself when I read the first part of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. How do we bless God? We bless him with our mouths. We bless him with our lives. But we also bless him by submitting ourselves to his lordship. I even thought about, we're out of time, but I thought about Jeremiah and, and the clay. And, and how Jeremiah was told to go to the potter's house. But God is that master potter. We are the clay. It's an old hymn, actually. Um, where God does that incredible handiwork on us spiritually and in doing so in us being his handiwork he gives us the ability to unwrap those presents that we were blessed with those spiritual blessings that we were blessed with those spiritual blessings in the heavenly places that we were blessed with that take us a lifetime to unpack. That's what it means for us to bless God. That's what it means for us to bless our Heavenly Father.